0: And welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello oh, and welcome to 9 to 42, which is the podcast from the guys at The Guitar Show UK. And Jace, who is in predictably disappointing surroundings, is still looking at fairly vibrant on screen. How are you, Jace, this morning? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. How's your uh, COVID? Are you fully recovered? Well, yes, in terms of day-to-day and all that kind of stuff. No, in terms of um, about a week ago, I went out for my first post-COVID run and broke myself. Royally broke myself. So this whole thing about a bit of fatigue after you've had COVID is bloody real. Um, because I, I literally, I was a, I was a broken man after a four-mile run. So, but other than that, no, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely fine. Chipper, Good. you might say. Good. So
1: the running's back up to speed now after a week.
0: It's not back up to speed. No, the running, the running is kind of a, a, a red mass of, of wheezing blob at the end. But I am getting out and doing it. <laughs> Brilliant! Um, so Brilliant. yeah, it is. It is. It is going on. Um, and with us today, we have Tom Ford. Um, but you can call him by any number of names because he goes by quite quite a few. How are you, Tom?
2: I'm good, thank you. I'm doing well.
0: Before we start, before I start with a normal kind of uh, bit of a recap on your uh, on lockdown in your last eighteen months, you're on a boat.
2: I am on a boat. Yes. We've never had anybody in a boat before. Well, I'm glad to uh, have made that distinction.
1: Yeah, our very first. Uh, so I suppose the first question is, where are you on a boat? Uh, and I suppose the follow-up is, why are you on a boat?
2: I am um, on a boat in South London. And the reason I'm on a boat in South London is um, it was uh, an affordable workaround of having a place in London. So I still split my time between Birmingham and London. Um, but it was very much like from a musician standpoint, it was maybe the only option. Um, but where I am, interestingly, uh, a good friend of mine who was the keyboard player in Simply Red also has a boat on the same marina. Um, his boat's a lot bigger and fancier than mine. <laughs> it's kind of like Simply Red level. <laughs> boat um but yeah there's um the the whole area that i'm in the marina it's like a you've got like a mixture of like musicians and dancers and actors and artists and stuff weird boat people um i shouldn't say that they might listen to this and might be really offended it's unlikely um, it's yeah unlikely. and then people that are um Kind of bohemian, you know, like people that want an alternative lifestyle. But you have like the the die-hard boat people that have they come from boat people. They're you know they're kind of yeah, like yeah. full-time mariners. And then there's all all the musicians that just buy up the boats because it's a cheaper way to live in London.
0: Do the do the boat people breed amongst themselves? Is it a, a very special little
2: group? <laughs> I- I think so. I don't know. I think like I think some people become boat people, you know, some people right. get fully like within it and then you end up part of this community. Um but yeah, it's um it's definitely there's definitely like these these three types of people knocking around. I feel like a bit of a charlatan to be honest because I don't know what I'm doing. Um I just have the boat and I just pray that it doesn't sink. <laughs> existential fear that i'm kind of going to come back and all my guitars are just going to be at the bottom of the water in this boat that sunk
0: now so, i'm fascinated by this now so is this a rented boat or is this your boat it's my boat Right, Ro- your it's your boat right. yes okay fine and these rented boats a thing they are yes right okay they are so it wasn't a daft question then no not <laughs> at all
2: not at all they're basic. they're basically just floating apartments Like, in the most simple sense, there's electricity, water, you're kind of stationary, hooked up to the mains. So it very much is a a house on water. Do you have to,
1: um, a bit like those people that live on caravan parks, that for whatever it is, because of council tax for two months normally, two months of a year, they have to clear off? Do you have to do that as well? Do you have to take your boat somewhere else for a short while?
2: no um people do that on the canals you have to do that if you're on a canal boat but this is uh this is actually like a marina so you pay a rate spot on the marina and that's yours the whole time you don't actually have to move which is handy my boat doesn't have an engine in it so it's really (laughs) really handy (laughs) and i think i'd be quite stuck if i had to move it um so luckily luckily it doesn't luckily it's stationary that that was awful of us.
0: We both burst out into laughter about the fact that your your boat's effectively broken. But
2: uh, so we ask, apologies for that because it doesn't need no, to no, move, no. does it? It's, it's fine. It's it. The engines were taken out on purpose. Right, right. And last question before we
0: move on from boats. That boats is fascinating. <laughs> me. This is great. Um, has, has Mick Hucknall ever popped down?
2: I've not seen Mick Hucknall. No, I've right. never seen Mick Hucknall. Unfortunately, right. and I'd I'd notice him. I'd notice him in my. Oh off. yeah,
0: though he though he does look a bit like what I would think of as a
2: as a boat person. Actually. <laughs> these days, yeah, definitely these days. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it comes I'm down yet... to
0: me with his people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm yet to see him, but I'll uh, I'll keep my eyes out. <laughs> Right. Let us know. Let us know.
0: We'll we, we'll share the news if it happens. Anyway, back to where we normally start. Obviously, it's been a crazy eighteen months, two years. Well, two years, pretty much now, isn't it? Pretty much, pretty much two yeah. years. Next week, isn't it? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Um, how's it? How's it panned out for you? Obviously, you've, I'm assuming you've been keeping yourself busy.
2: Um, yeah. So it's been the first. Um, the first year and the first lockdown was like for everyone it was like a massive shock you know there was like i i think everyone went through a phase of like oh this is amazing you don't have to go to work don't have to do anything and then like three weeks later it was kind of like this is not good you know this is what 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 you know like what do we do with all this free time um for me the biggest Shock, I think, was like not gigging um, because I usually gig maybe four to five times a week. Like, it's always been such a regular thing, Um, and the the amount. Like, I think the last two years have been like the 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 lowest density of gigs I've done in my adult life. Um, But I did use all that time to essentially just finish all my own recorded music it was that thing of I never had time to do it because I was always gigging or I was teaching or I was doing somebody recording somebody else's music I never I never had that time to like fully focus on my own stuff and luckily it literally gave me that moment to be like right I'm gonna finish this record I'm finally gonna do what I you know I've always wanted to do I had like a load of demos that had been demos For year you know that Mm. classic thing they're just um so i kind of just spent the last two years doing that and um and that's been that's been the big focus and then of course gigs have slowly creeped back in um things are slowly turning back to well now it feels like things are just normal again um so yeah, I kind of I also tried to learn how to do sourdough bread and spent 2 years of wasting a lot of money on <laughs> annoyingly on flour which was in short supply. I was one of those people. So <laughs> that whole flour shortage is probably due to me in a small part. Um yeah, a lot of failed failed attempts at kind of artisan bread just turned out like a big dense pancake. That was the general general uh kind of thing so yeah good thing was finishing an album the bad thing was um inedible bread
1: right. <laughs> so where where were you living during this time were you in london or birmingham
2: and but in the <clears throat> so in the first year of lockdown i was in birmingham the whole time and then the we i got the boat last summer um because I work a lot in London and the great thing about the lockdowns and stuff, especially when you were able to travel for work. So like I did quite a few of the live stream gigs for various things. So I did one at Ronnie, Ronnie Scott's basically went online. So I did, um, I did a few Ronnie Scott's live streams and whatnot. Um, Hotels were like 20 quid in central London. (laughs) It was unbelievable. So I was kind of like, this is, up to that point, I'd always slept on my mate's sofas or spare beds here and there. And so I spent all the, that time in lockdown in, like... I mean, they're a travel lodge. I'm not going to pretend it was fancy, but a uh, 20-quid travel lodge in central London still great. And um, so I, I spent a year of doing that, and then all of a sudden the prices went back up to, like, 100 quid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's when the boat thing... Because I was like, I can't, I can't stay with people anymore. Like, I've got accustomed to coming down and doing stuff on my own time so, so how yeah
0: do, how do you go about even finding a boat I know we're back on boats again sorry <laughs> it's going to keep happening this uh, where where you know I mean there's not I mean is it a normal estate agent eh? how do you how do you how do you find a boat
2: so I was actually looking on right move I was looking at a part like smaller like one bed two bed apartments um and constantly realizing there was no way I could get it's just that depressing thing about london it's just like you realize what you could get with a certain deposit and a mortgage and it's basically a shoe box in a you know like a broom closet or something and uh on right move a boat turned up they'd obviously listed it uh like being a bit cheeky as an a as a flat and um i saw this boat and then i was like oh i could actually afford something like that and then uh I started researching more, and there are actually boat kind of letting sites and it's kind of marine estate agents that exist. Um, but I ended up finding this one on eBay of all places. Wow. Um,
0: you bought a boat on eBay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> this is the best episode we've ever done,
1: Jason. I know. This is fascinating. We, do, we don't
0: need to even pretend to go anywhere near Guitar. No. Do we?
2: You
0: know, no, this no. is the best episode we've done
2: yeah it was on ebay i was just saying because they're kind of like they're, they're a weird one because they don't really fit into any category you know it's a house it's a vehicle it's uh you know <laughs> well yours isn't <laughs> well no, not anymore no well it kind of moved the wind moves around a bit
0: is it, is it do you buy a boat on ebay on a seven-day
2: auction or is it a buy now uh it was buy now right did you search?
0: Uh, did you
1: sort it via cheapest plus postage <laughs> first?
2: <laughs> I think this one would be really expensive with the postage. <laughs> if it doesn't move. Um, oh, that's 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 brilliant.
0: I just, I'm, I'm blown,
2: I'm blown away by all this. So, have you recorded on the boat then as well? I did one, I did one session on here, um, but it doesn't. Um, it didn't go too. Well, just because I, I didn't, I don't have all my equipment here. Yeah, so I did try and bring down like an interface and some monitors and stuff, but it just, um, it didn't work the way I thought it would. Like right. the space, the space didn't really work too well. But I did try. I did try.
1: Are the acoustics a bit odd on a boat?
2: Yeah, a bit yeah. bizarre. Hmm. So oh, no recording here.
0: We also this is it's terrible because it sounds like we just got you on because you live on a boat and actually that, we didn't know this until this morning. It, it's not it's this this wasn't pre-planned. Let's go let's go all the way back. Where does the journey start for you with guitar?
2: Um, so the the earliest earliest thing for me with me, like to go just before guitar, I started on piano. Um, right. And that was when I was about four. I wasn't very good. I just There was a piano at my dad's house. I just used to, you know. It made noise, that. didn't it? If you hit yeah. it, it made noise. And um, so there was a friend of the family, a young guy that was like a boogie-woogie piano player in Birmingham. Um, and he offered to teach me. So he gave me some lessons when I was really young. And he just ta- taught me like C major scale and some c- chords. And he taught me the notes on the s- uh, stave. So I started learning piano and like m- have it. I mainly did everything by ear. Um, and then I think I was about six. I got um, I got taught how to play the Peter Gunn theme by my mom's friend on his acoustic guitar, just on the E string. Yeah um and that was it and you know like classic one finger yeah you know Mm. and um i showed my satisfaction
0: for me but yeah i know what you mean
2: yeah it was like i was so like oh wow this is amazing and um so i showed my dad my dad does play guitar um i showed my dad the next time i saw him and he was like oh do you, you play guitar now And i was like i guess so and then my dad's like a classic um, middle age. Well, he wasn't middle aged then, but he was a classic kind of like gear acquisition syndrome man. There's lots of guitars everywhere, and um, he had a penchant for buying guitars and taking them apart and rebuilding them. Kind of sacrilege, you know, like rip a, tele- a Rick and neck off a of Rick and back and put a Telecaster neck on it, like. <laughs> box <laughs> jobs that's it that's not actually that didn't actually happen but like i like to imagine um stuff like that and um he had a strap with just like a humbucker and a bridge it was like a frankenstein strap of parts and he was like if i give you this guitar that's like your birthday and christmas present for the next year you can't have anything else but if you want to play guitar you can have this and i was like yeah and uh that was that and um Oasis had just brought out uh, Definitely Maybe around that time. And Blur had just brought out Park Life and there was a lot of guitar music. Mm. And I was obsessed with Noel Gallagher more so than anyone else. And yeah, it was just like piano was like, forget that. You know, it was like, I just want to play guitar. Guitar was super popular in the mid 90s, mm. you know.
0: Yeah. And the, and there was some great. I mean, you, you, I wish you mentioned Oasis, but then you very quickly after, you know, we get things like Ocean Colour Scene. There's there's a load of guitar driving that. The Seahorses album came out. There's a load of guitar yes. work floating through that. We had three or four really, or half a dozen really seminal guitar records actually in that in that period. I mean, not necessarily saying you maybe call Blur that, but certainly there's 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 these records that had loads of really good guitar riffs. You know, riffs yeah. were back in, weren't they?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And there's like. Um... So, like, my mom used to buy um, loads of albums and there's, like, Manic Street Preachers, super yeah, Supergrass, even, like, early um, <clears throat> Stereophonics. Um, yeah, because uh, those early albums were quite rocky, actually. Super rocky, mm. super, super, like, heavy and, like, the... We had the first Radiohead album, Pablo Honey with Creep on and that's yeah. rockier than like what Radiohead went on to be. And there was yeah, and even like Prodigy had guitar, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like it was really like there was that there's a the whole Brit rock thing and um and that just went it kind of went from there that I just became obsessed like most kids that start playing guitar I just got obsessed with guitar. So then cuz my dad's more of a kind of older rock 60s 70s in like that was his influence growing up then it'd be like he'd just give me cassettes and cds we're still listening to cassettes then on the kind of boom box that had the cassette at the front and the cd on top and um yeah so then he gave me like a are you experienced the hendrix album that was just like changed everything and then i got stevie ray Vaughan album um that changed it. I, I used to go to my dad's and look at his CDs and just be like, can I borrow this one? And I'd go and make a cassette, you know, with the record you could like record yeah. the CD onto the cassette. Um, so yeah, it was like, it went quickly from the whole Brit rock thing to Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan. My dad's a Telecaster player. So it was Danny Gatton gave me a Danny Gatton album. That was just like blew my mind. And all of a sudden, um, everything yeah opened up and then there was like the jazz thing came really quickly as well so uh, I think that came through weather report so that's not even guitar that was like Jaco Pastorius but then I found Pat Metheny and then John Schofield I kind of started with those guys and then worked back to the more old school people but yeah like Mike Stern Pat Metheny and I was hearing all this stuff and I just wanted to sound like all of it that was a problem That's always and it still is my problem as a musician It's that like I never had like one lane, you know, I never had. I know guitarists that are like so good at being a blues rock guy or, you know, like a country thing or this and that. And I I just I always struggled because from a very early age, I just like heard all this music and it's like, well, I want to sound like Hendrix, but I also want to write songs like Noel Gallagher. But I also want to play like Dick Dale and I also want to, you know, like sound like Lowell George, but I can't play slide, but I kind of want a bit of that somehow. And I love David Gilmore and I love Pink Floyd, but I also love Larry Carlton on Steely. There's always been like this whole kind of, I want everything at once. And, um, and that was set really early on. I think it was just my parents giving me loads of different music to listen to.
1: I think it's, um, that's probably reflective. I was on the Ronnie Scott's website uh, earlier uh, reading the bit about you, and it, it described your music as a smashing together of hip-hop, glitch, pop, rock, jazz, electroacoustic, and nova. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I was like, I can't quite figure that out in my head, really. <laughs> oh, but isn't that beautiful? I want somebody to do a bio with me with the word nova in it. <laughs> That's just... That's just a thing of beauty. <laughs>
2: just, yeah, I, I just think
0: Bon Tempi organs. <laughs>
2: yeah, the little drum <laughs> the, beat.
0: The, the, little, the little button at the end with over written on it. The, the thing that does stick out really in, in in there is the jazz to a certain extent. Because if you if you take the Brit pop, stroke Brit rock thing, you can chart a path back to the Beatles quite comfortably, a path back to the Faces, a path back to the Stones really easily, the Who yeah. as well really easily. And so that gets you into that kind of world. And then you, you kind of work a little bit from there. So I can see how that plots. Um, but it's the other bit, it's the jazz bit that doesn't somehow, I don't see how you arrive at that other than, I guess, just just being at that point, you must be it's so open to anything that had a guitar in it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I was, so I didn't have a guitar teacher Um until i went to sixth form college um and so early on I, i'd stopped having my piano lessons and uh you know those big encyclopedic books for kids by i think it's wk or something they're like you get them in the works and stuff and there's like loads of pictures yeah, yeah. they did one on guitar that i was bought and it weirdly had this whole section on like theory and like the notes on the fretboard and i think
0: i I might have got that book
2: yeah and um i just kind of worked through it i i want basically i i really struggled to um i really struggled to kind of learn how to play like someone else so like i learned to the best of my ability like hendrix's solos by ear but I never sounded like it never I could never do it. you know, I could never like sound like him. Some people are really good at imitating people or like um kind of embodying somebody else's sound and even even if they like create their own sound within that like John Mayer clearly comes from Stevie Ray Vaughan. You can mm-hmm. hear it so clearly, but now he's at the point where it doesn't sound like an imitation of Stevie Ray Vaughan. You can just hear that influence really strong. But I, ne- I just never really had that. I, I really struggled to do that. And that was why every time I heard new music with guitar on, I'd just be like, I think it was like my head being like, well, maybe that's the thing that I'll do. And it's the first time I, hit, I heard the jazz thing, at that point I'd got the whole pentatonic box, blues yeah. scale thing down. And I remember trying to learn a Pat Metheny song off the record. And there's just that one point in jazz that it always happens, like the chord changes to a new key. So I was like trying to figure out how, and I just remember just being like, what the? Why doesn't this work anymore? Like this works on everything. Yeah. You know, it was that moment where it's like, well, how, how, what's he doing then? Like, and like, you, as guitarists, we don't think initially like, oh well you just move your pentatonic box down a few frets to a new key and it will work then it's not how we really grow up to think and it just yeah that curiosity was just like i need to know i have mm-hmm. to know what's going on you know
0: i mean you're right because and i'm i'm the world's worst for it you 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 put your hand in a pattern on a on a uh the fretboard you you riff about a bit and you do something there, you know roughly where you're going to go. You can hear the chord progression so you know where the notes are going to be. You kind of, you can't explain how you're doing it. You just know because you've learned it all by ear. You know if a minor kicks in where you go and that's fine. And then if you want to change it, you basically take that pattern and you move it 12 frets further forward. Yeah. But what you don't do is progress along the fretboard yeah. those 12 notes. You don't ever find a way of joining the two patterns together. You just go, right, well, I'm playing down here.
2: Yeah.
0: And and I'm getting I've been playing down here for a few bars, so I better go up there.
2: Yeah.
0: Um without actually, you know, essentially doing the bit you're talking about, which is working out how the hell you do it along the whole neck.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um
0: and it's always been my failing as a guitar player. I I'm absolutely setting patterns. No there's no doubt.
2: Yeah. I think I I think it's um not my only failing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think if I would have been, cause I remember growing up cause I grew up uh, in South Birmingham and there was an amazing guitarist a couple of years older than me that I was good friends with called uh, Joanne Shaw Taylor.
1: Oh God. And, yeah.
2: Yeah. So like we kind of like grew up together and did some gigs and she just like used to like make me look like an idiot. Cause she was so good at that blues thing. Like so, so good at it. And I was just terrible. Like I was, I spent so m- many years as like a, an adolescent desperately trying to find a sound and find like my playing and like it was so disjointed for years and uh I think if I'd have been better at say something like cuz I went through this whole Stevie Ray Vaughan phase of just like obsession with him you know so I did the whole like put 13s on a strap struggled hurt my fingers and like kind of was just like this is like what the hell is going on here I did that like the whole thing and um I just couldn't do it that well and I think if I'd have been able to kind of like embody his sound that well it might have stopped me from like the whole you know like well how instead of the pattern playing like maybe take a different approach I think that just came out of the necessity of like I just sounded terrible for so long you know so it was just like I needed to find a different way to make it all work
1: I think that that's probably um quite unfair on yourself because surely by the time you reach the end of your teens you're off to Berkeley so you can't have been that bad
2: (laughs) yeah Uh, I don't know I still felt like I, th- I think the one thing that I didn't notice—I did—I probably didn't notice until I was in my mid twenties—was that all for a long time, all the things that I thought were terrible about the way I played were like the Id- idiosyncrasies that made me sound different to everyone else around me. That mm-hmm. not everybody liked, but some people were like, "I like this guy because I'm not sure what he's or he's, he's, he's just sounds different," you know. But it took me a long time to understand that, you know, because for me, it was just like I'd hear somebody else and I'd just be like, oh, I'm terrible. Like, I wish I could play like them, you know.
1: I think, uh, you know, without wishing to get too philosophical about it, I think that's just the normal journey of a, a teenager turning into an adult in their mid-twenties where you kind of like accept who you are at some point and i think there's an element of every teenager going oh i wish i looked like that i wish i could play like that you know that that person looks way cooler than i do how can i be that cool yeah you know and actually i think by the time you get to your mid-20s i don't know do you you just stop caring so much what other people think and like just embrace who you are yeah Um, so how do you get to as someone that never ever got anywhere near getting to berkeley how do you how old were you and you know I'm Um, assuming you were a teenager what 18
2: 19 I was 19 when I went um so I so basically when I went to sixth form I had lessons with James Maiden who you know
1: Uh, I do indeed um he is when I'm at the university my boss
2: (laughs) so back when I was I've never met him but I'm sure he's lovely
0: he's lovely
2: yeah yeah, he is lovely. When I was a 16-year-old, I went to uh, Stratford College uh, and did the BTEC in music. And James then was uh, just a young chap who just got a teaching job at a sixth form and he taught guitar. Um, he'd done... I think he went to Birmingham Conservatoire before there was a jazz course and just did a general music degree, but they hmm. did like a jazz options, I think it was called, or something. And in the first few weeks, you we all had le- like lessons with him, and uh I took in that Pat Metheny song I couldn't understand. So that was the first thing. I was just like, he was like, oh, okay, like who's it was, was kind of like first lesson, get to know people. And I took in the chart, and I was just like, teach me how to play on this, like I want to know. And he was like, oh, all right. And then so. I ended up having lessons with him all through college and then even after. Um, and through that, um, he taught me how to understand what was going on with jazz and what to practice. And, like, he, like, just, I. it was really beneficial, really helpful. And then it just came more and more apparent. That it was like, well, I need to go and study this more somewhere where it's focused. And I was going to go to Birmingham Conservatoire But then everyone I was listening to had been to Berkeley. like John Schofield went there, Bill Frizzell went there, Mike Stern went there, Pat Metheny taught there. There's an amazing guitarist called Kurt Rosenwinkel, a jazz player. Uh, He went there and there was just like this ongoing list of people that went to this place called Berkeley. And I was like, I need to go there. Like, I really have to. So I started looking at it and it was like, well, I can't afford it. Um, But they did the whole audition and scholarship thing. So I was just like, well, it's worth a try. It's worth a Mm. punt. And James helped me prepare for the audition. And um, yeah, luckily I got some financial help with it. So I was able, I didn't finish my degree. Um, Unfortunately, I went there in 2008 and the financial crash happened in my second semester And all the money I had was worth nothing anymore. So um, I only managed to do the equivalent of like two years. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was great. Yeah.
1: I mean, mean, how how did that feel being 19 and the other side of the world on your own, I assume?
2: Yeah, it was weird. It was good, though. Um, They University in America is like really hard. They kind of work you really, really hard. It's like nine to five lectures every day, and they do the whole liberal arts. So you have to do twenty five percent of your degree in like maths and science and English and stuff, right? Which was a shock. <laughs> the worst shock was I took creative writing because I thought Americans are stupid and don't understand <laughs> the English language, and it turned out to the 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 idiocy that I had was that I was never the best student at English literature or creative writing anyway. And I falsely assumed that I'd be superior to the Americans, not realizing that I was actually signing up to undergraduate level creative writing. Um, <laughs>
0: I was, to mean, be fair it, to the Yanks, they are quite good. They are quite good creatively as writers. They just can't spell. Yeah, yeah you trumped
1: the them on the spelling.
0: Yeah. you just kept shouting. There's a U in that. There's a U in that. <laughs> your it's not a Z. It's not a Z. <laughs> what are you putting a Z there for?
2: Yeah. But yeah, it was, um, it was good. It was a good uh, two years and it was good to be somewhere. I mean, Boston isn't like, it's not like living in New York. It's not too crazy. So to go from Birmingham to Boston was like a bit of a shock. But I think if it, I think if I'd have gone and studied in New York, that would have been like way crazier.
0: Boston's an amazing city. I've been to right. Boston so many times. It's a fun. Fant- in fact, if you're ever in the US, it's the perfect antidote to the, to New York. If you go for a go for a two city break, it's the perfect antidote to New York. Yeah. Do New York have three or four days and then go and spend three or four days in Boston.
2: Yeah. It's a great city. Uh,
0: oh, it is it's a fantastic city. <laughs> in fact, to, um, Alice and I have talked, we when the kids have cleared off, we're going to go and live in Boston for a year nice uh, cuz i'd like to experience a full year cuz there's so much great art and culture there yeah and i think the only way you could really embrace it is to go and have a full you know a full set of seasons there to appreciate everything yeah but it's uh, it's a, it's an amazing amazing place it really is i'm very liberal you're right you know yeah it's the closest place i've been to in the us that is like being kind of in parts of the uk it's
2: absolutely mindset and everything. absolutely it's very yeah. similar very similar but yeah, it was it was a really good experience and like I really got um it's kind of like a big eye opener cuz the American kids grow up playing jazz. It's like their music, you know, it's almost like their it's like their culture. So you get these like 18-year-old kids that have played in like high school big bands that have won awards and stuff and like they they just kicked my ass. It was just like I, I it was a real <laughs> steep learning curve there. It was kind of like I just had to kind of pretend that I was on the same level, you know.
0: (laughs) But is that where your individuality started to really shine through then?
2: I think so. And I think, I think, because as long as you work hard in that environment and like, um, you know, like there's a whole fake it so you make it. But then there's also the element of like my sight reading was terrible so, like, I really tried to get that together. It's still quite terrible, but it's, like, passable now, you know, for a guitarist. I feel good as a guitar. My level of reading as a guitarist, I think, is acceptable. Um, it's the best on yeah. this call. It certainly <laughs> is. Um, but, yeah, I think um, I think one thing I noticed was, like, because I hadn't gone through that whole American high school jazz band system, I did have all these, like, weird quirks, you know, Um, And I think some people liked that was when I started to first notice that people probably liked those idiosyncrasies because it sounded different. Um, So I kind of, I kind of just, yeah, really started to um, double down on just like kind of developing my sound, I guess. And,
1: suppose that brings us on to uh, your idiosyncrasies brings us on to your very idiosyncratic choice of guitar Uh as well do you you play the apart from jj's which are not unusual yeah i mean jeff makes some beautiful guitars yeah but you know the uh, am i pronouncing this right the shore
2: oh yeah and the
1: and the is it tight? I don't, I
2: don't even know how you say it. I've no. always called Tyesco or
1: Tysco, Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I don't. Probably. I'm
2: not quite sure how you pronounce it. It's Tokyo Electric Instrument Corporation or something. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. I. So. I mean. Now I'm playing a D'Angelico. So. Currently, everything's changed again. Um, right. Okay. So I'm playing a a semi hollow D'Angelico single cut um at the moment that's
1: really traditionally jazz for you
2: yeah um what happened to you man (laughs) i still play the other guitars so basically like the the weird guitars the 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 taisco the old japanese guitar Um i've always had a a big love for like uh link ray and that whole uh, i mean he was playing a supro on rumble he's playing Mm. like a uh supro twin tone i think um with the like fake humbuckers that look like humbuckers, but they're really low output microphonic like, single coils um I've always liked that, and I always liked kind of the sixties kind of garage rock bands. There's a band called the Sonics, and like you see videos of the pictures of them, and they've got all like catalog guitars. And even, like, my dad and stuff, like, if I look at old pictures and he's got, like, an old Jetson or an Audition from Woolworths or something. Mm. And I always just, like, liked those trashy bad guitars, basically. Um, and I found that the, that little um, Tysco I've got is a tiny, it looks like a miniature 335, but it's fully hollow and it's tiny, uh, very microphonic pickups it feeds back loads the neck feels more like a mustang neck it's like a short scale uh it feels like a fender neck um and it's a bolt-on um but after years of playing i i grew up playing a strat and a telly basically they were they were the two guitars um and then I went in my mid twenties. I went through like I played a Yamaha Telecaster copy for a while, a really nice made Japanese one. Was that, oh, that for... a
1: Mike Stern face? Was it
2: sort sort of? Um, it was. It had two humbuckers. It was a weird, It wasn't a Mike Stern model, but it was like it was that shape. Mm. Um, and I played that for a while, and then I played an Epiphone sheraton for a while and i just went through all these different guitars and wasn't like really happy i borrowed a friend of jaguar for a bit that i hated couldn't stand it um and uh i found that Tysco and it just kind of helped me this whole thing of like finding my own sound it's like that guitar you can't hide on it you can't you can't get a strap sound. You can't do any of those things that you do where it's just like, oh, well, it's all right because I just do this and that and then I get that sound. It's like, you can't do any of that. It sounds awful and it plays <laughs> awful. So it's like, it leaves you to be just like, it, it really brings you down to like, well, what can you do at this point? You know, like musically. Um, and I found that like, I found after years of trying to find the perfect guitar, this, I had the JJ at this point which Mm. is an amazing guitar and I still use a lot. Um, But I think the thing that was missing was like, yeah, a guitar that forces you to really just be yourself because there's nowhere to hide, you know. The JJ Mm. plays so easily that it's like even on a bad night, I can kind of like, it's so so easy to play that I can kind of like get away with it. Whereas that guitar, it's, yeah, it's near impossible, you know. (laughs) And uh, it's good character building, you know. <laughs> um, and then the Shaw, the weird German guitar. Um, yeah, I, I I just made friends with the Luthier Nikolai. And he wanted to develop a semi-hollow kind of full hollow thing. So we talked a lot and um, that was kind of... I mean, I, he did all the work, of course. I, I just gave some... Um, pointers uh it's a great guitar for recording it's a really good guitar for live it's too fragile and um lively you know it's Mm. too um you can't play it on a live stage um but for recording it's incredible it's got like a really specific sound um that's really nice to record with so i've used it for a lot of recordings um and he sent me another guitar for a bit to try that I sent back just as like a, he made like a bigger arch top thing. Um, that was kind of like his take on a big jazz guitar. And I used that for a while just to, that was in the lockdown. So I didn't really actually gig with it, but, um, yeah, I just like weird guitars. There's like, I really want an old Soviet guitar at the moment. There's all these old Soviet made guitars from Eastern Europe knocking around. I really want one of them. Um, just, just different. I, uh, you know, like I love strats and Les Pauls and Tellys and three thirty fives. But I'm more and more interested in like junk, basically.
0: Are you Are you sure you're not a boat person? Because <laughs> it's starting to sound like you've you found your community a little bit.
2: Maybe that's why I'm here. Maybe it's yeah. all fake. Maybe
0: you didn't know you were a boat person.
2: No.
1: <laughs> so i suppose this brings us on to um in one week's time from today obviously not from when the podcast comes out because that's not for another four or five days um but on march 17th you've got your first solo album coming out yeah uh the tennis champions yeah that's a, uh, there's a lovely photograph of you i'm assuming it is you dressed in full sort of like
0: 70s tennis regalia it's got it's, it's, uh, it's mac and roesque isn't it it's yeah.
2: actually my face and arms with my tattoos photoshopped onto bjorn borg is it bjorn borg <laughs> yeah um that's just me being really silly on photoshop um because i I wanted to do it in real life, but like it's cheaper to do that than, and like also the cop, you could get around copyright if you only use a certain amount of an image if you're kind of collaging. Um, it was easier and cheaper to do that than buy tennis clothes and find a photographer and all that stuff. Um, and I kind of found it funnier. Um, yeah,
1: and you're not going to get that cut of tennis clothes today, either, are no, you?
2: No. Not without shrinking them. Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean it's those short shorts, isn't it?
0: It is those yeah. short shorts. Yes.
2: Yeah. Um but yeah, that comes out next week. I mean, I've got a very weird sense of humour, so like the tennis I've got no real I mean, I I watch tennis now and then, but I'm not like a big huge tennis fan. I'm not like a diehard tennis fan. And I've I've tried to play occasionally in failed. I'm not <laughs> not really good at tennis playing i think it's it yeah it's it's more just yeah it's more just my sense of humor i like the idea that you know like you can call albums whatever you want them to be they don't it doesn't it can be really poignant and mean something Mm. but it can also just be words and i like the i like the idea of like people thinking like, what is that? What, who are the tennis champions? I, the fact that it's plural is like, well, who are they? Like, are yeah. they literal tennis champions? Are they, is this Tom's band? Is, is his band called that? Or is this like, um, it just makes, just me making myself laugh to myself and then being like, you know what? I can call my record that cause I could do whatever I want. Um,
1: this is very true. I listened to it this morning and, uh, it, are you singing on it as well? Because I know there's a lot of guest stars, but there's, uh, I think the second track is Friendship or something. Yeah, and that's not like, singing. I, yeah, and I was like, Is that Tom? Yeah. So it is you singing as well? Yeah. Is that the first time you've sung
2: lead um, vocals? I've done backing vocals a lot in my life. So, like, growing up, even when I was learning all the jazz stuff throughout school, I was always in bands playing like rock. I went through the whole phase of playing punk rock at school because. Even though I was desperately trying to play jazz, everyone at school just wanted to play loud, fast, like, music. That was kind of, like, the standard thing as a teenager. So I've always done, like, backing vocals. I went through a phase of being obsessed with the fun-loving criminals and <laughs> just wanting to be Huey Morgan. Um, Fair enough. Um, yeah. Yeah, and learn all their so, so I did a bunch of gigs where, at school, uh, assemblies, where I'd sing fun-loving criminal songs. Because he's not really a singer-singer. you no. know um good guitarist though great guitarist um and uh so but it's the first time that i'm singing as a front man so to speak
1: so yeah so are you are you going is the plan to go out and gig this now and be the front man
2: oh yeah I've, i've done a few actually already um so i played um I did one of the live streams last year for Ronnie Scott's when it was still locked down and I was singing and front in. And then I did an actual gig at Ronnie Scott's when it opened up again, um, with my band in the summer. Um, it's kind of funny playing that music there cause it's not really jazz. Um, no, no. So it's kind of like,
1: no, because it's hip-hop, glitch, pop, rock, jazz, electro-acoustic and nova,
2: Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Somebody needs to come up with a new genre title that somehow combines all that. Maybe boat music.
1: I, I think we should just call it Fordian, you know. Nice. Uh, uh, you know, when people go, oh, it's a bit Stonesy," we can say, oh, it's a bit Fordian.
2: <laughs> Seminal is what it is. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I've done a few... Shows, I did one in Birmingham in Digbeth in November. I did another couple in London in the autumn. I'm doing one next week, uh, the day before the release in London. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've done a few. So it's like, it's early days still generally fronting a band. Um, but um, yeah, it's fun. It's nice. Do you,
1: do you think about your in-between song Chatter? Because that's the thing that I was always terrible
2: at. It's my favourite part. Is it? It's actually, my Basically, in those moments, I try and channel Stuart
1: Lee.
2: <laughs> I've got quite a droll voice anyway. So, like, <laughs> they're the moments where I basically, yeah, I see it as, like, um, improvised stand-up. <laughs> and some, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You know, I get some laughs and I get a lot of silence, but it's worth it for the few laughs I get.
0: <laughs> a man who lives on a boat and likes dressing up as Bjorn Borg does not need to worry about what he's going to say in between songs. <laughs> Just not a concern.
2: No. no. <laughs> I guess not.
0: Oh, uh, 17th yes. comes out. Yeah. Okie dokie. And did you say something? You said something about an album launch in London. Have you got yeah. something planned?
2: Yeah, that's on the 16th of March. And what is that?
0: Are we allowed to know?
2: Yeah, it's just, it's a gig in Islington. There's a venue called The Grace. Right. Just a music venue. And yeah, it's basically just a standard gig just to kind of celebrate the record coming out. Um, There's a few acts, there's a few support acts. And uh, yeah, I'll be playing with my band and, having some guests get up and yeah just be fun we'll be able to put the link for that on the notes yeah. actually uh, yes cuz
0: it's it's out monday isn't it so we we'll, we we can link all that in so that's no. that's
2: perfect
1: is it coming out in physical format or is it just streaming
2: uh so at the moment it's just streaming because it's essentially an e- it's an ep so it's like 25 minutes um hmm. i've got a second ep made already Uh, that will come out later in the year. And then I'm going to release both of them on vinyl, each side. Um, I wanted to do this on vinyl, but there's been this shortage um, with the vinyl industry. So there's a long wait. So I just thought instead, well, if I put both EPs, because they're both around 22, three minutes, I could put one on on it. Yeah. And that way it means you don't have to get up and change it as quickly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, because um, you'd have to you'd almost have to do it at forty five rather than thirty three and a third, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh yeah, yeah, it seems seems to make sense. Yeah. Wonderful. Cool. Well, that I've I've thoroughly enjoyed that. That has whizzed by. That I fifty know. odd minutes has whizzed by. Uh that has been one of the most unexpected in terms <laughs> of uh I didn't know where we were going today, but interesting chats that I think we've had on uh, on nine forty two. Um one we must before we go, we must say thank you to our sponsors, Focus Right. Um and put a plea out that clearly there's a need for some form of boat based recording setup. <laughs> so if focus are listening and they want to come up with something that's particularly boat friendly, then we've got somebody who can who can try it out for you. <laughs> um I don't know who the right person is. who who's in their boat department, Jace? Um oh
1: their boat department. Oh well, um I'll have a word with Rich and and, and, see, and what, see.
0: Yeah. Put us through, yeah, to to the marine department and see what we can we can work out for you, uh, Tom.
2: Okay, I will. I'll forward the email.
0: <laughs> lovely, lovely, because we know you like a bit of a bit of help with designing this that and the other. So we'll uh, <laughs> we'll get on to that. Uh, thank you very much. for finding the time. It's been it's been great. Uh, and good luck with the uh, good luck with the album. Uh, good thank luck you. With the EP. thank um, you. And uh, Jace, I guess I'll see you next time. All right. See you, mate. Thanks for listening to to 9to42, the podcast from the team at The Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9to42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at The Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production.